So I'm excited today. We're starting a new series. And as most of you would be very aware, this entire year, our theme has been deeper. And then approximately every month, we kind of are focusing on a different element of deeper. Well, we're fusing that now and we're in May. This is the time of year that we do our legacy focus as a church. So again, many are familiar, but if you're not, I want to talk to you a little bit about what legacy is all about. Legacy is about us dreaming together as a church about what God would want to build and what God would want to do through our church, what God would want to do through our lives. Uh, We love personal destiny. I love seeing people walk in their purpose, walk in their destiny. I think that is so good, and we're going to champion that and cheer that on, and we want you to live out the purposes of God in your generation, and we're going to cheer you on as you do that and try and resource and support you as best we can. That is great, but we also want to make sure, because there's a danger, if we emphasize personal destiny, but we forget about corporate destiny, and we forget about what God is trying to do through us together, because how many know he's called us together? There's an element that we miss out on. There's an element of God and an element of what he has. And and interestingly enough, I mean, I don't want to get too far down this road because this wasn't even my initial direction. Interestingly enough, a lot of our personal destiny is actually wrapped up and tied up in us getting connected where God's called us to be corporately. Right? We're the body of Christ. We're living stones that are built together. And so a stone doesn't do a whole lot by itself. But when it gets connected with other stones, it can do, build incredible structures that can do incredible things. And so this is not to take away from personal destiny. This is not to take away of pursuing what God has for your life. But in this month, we want to really zero in on what does God have for us? What does God want to speak to us? What is the legacy that he has called us to? And I'm really excited because even as I've been preparing this series, I'm actually going to preach a couple messages and I'm going to talk about some things that I don't think I've ever preached or talked about before around building and around legacy. But what is legacy? Legacy is something tangible that is built, that is passed from one generation to another. That's the actual definition of legacy, something tangible that is built. Now, it can be something physical that is built. There's a legacy even in our property, in our facilities, that again, we're stewarding, right? It's not ours, it's Jesus, but we're stewarding and we can entrust the generations to come. So there's a legacy there, but there's also a legacy can be values. Legacy can be spiritual things. There can be a legacy of fire for God, you know, a heart for God. There can be a legacy of prayer that is passed on. It's anything physical, emotional, spiritual that we're building together that is passed to the next generation. And so in this month, we try and take time to really highlight and focus on and say, okay, let's dream. What does God want to build? What are things that we can dream together? What might be your place in what God is doing here? And so that's the heart of legacy and the heart of where God is taking us. Also, at the end of this month, well, really, it's the first week of June, we have what we call our legacy offering. And so this is an opportunity for you to give and you to sow specifically into continuing to build what God is doing. And so by about the middle of the month, we're fine-tuning a couple elements, but we'll be kind of as part of this releasing some of the practical targets that we're giving and sowing towards. But I'd encourage you, number one is be praying even from now. And you guys know how we do this. I'm not going to do a whole kind of tricky fundraising for the next month and a bit and try and get everybody to give money and all that kind of stuff. No, we're going to talk about legacy. We're going to talk about God's doing. You pray, you seek God, and then you give as God leads in your heart to do so. I don't want anyone to feel pressure about it. Or this, this is not a fundraising month. This is a legacy month. This is a building month. 
And then we'll have an opportunity as the Lord leads us to give and to sow into doing that. But I want to I wanna talk to you about So let's go to Matthew 16, 18. And this will be a verse I, I think most of us would be very familiar with, but I always love going back to it. And this is around the time, this verse, the context is when Jesus had taken his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and he had said to them, you know, who do men say that I am? And so they had this conversation about who we're saying. He says, yeah, but who do you say I am? And then Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And this built into some other conversation. And in verse 18, Jesus said this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, And again, the rock was not Peter. The rock was the revelation of Jesus as the Christ. He said, I will build my church. Everybody say, build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there's many wonderful themes coming out of this verse. I'm extra into this because I just finished this uh, semester at Canada Christian College. I taught a course on preaching. And so I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I got to kind of dive deeper into the craft. And I was just, yesterday I was finishing marking some exams. And one of the questions I asked the students is, I gave them a passage. What themes do you see out of this passage? I want you to give me like five different themes that you could preach out of this passage. Well, this verse, there's all kinds of themes we could talk about. We could talk about the power of revelation. We could talk about him building his church. We could talk about the gates of hell will not prevail. We could talk about the overcoming church. But where I want to focus today and where I want to focus this month is simply on this word build. Everyone say build. Because I want to talk to you about being a builder. I want to talk to you about having a heart to build. I want to talk not just about the actions of building, but I want to talk about the heart of building. Because if we get the heart and we have the heart that God wants us to have, our thoughts, our words, our actions are going to very naturally follow. Because the scriptures say where your treasure is, your heart is. So I want to talk to you about the heart of building, the heart to be a builder. Everybody say build. What does build mean? Build means, number one, to construct by assembling or joining parts or materials. Number two, it means to establish, increase, or strengthen something. Number three, it means to mold or to form or create. Number four, it means to base something or to put foundation in something. And number five, it means to form or construct a plan or system of thought. So I love this because when Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, First and foremost, he says, I'm going to construct by assembling and joining parts or materials. What are the parts or materials that he is talking about? Well, we know it's not physical because we know kind of theologically this building is not the church. This building is where the church meets. We talk about it. We'll use that term loosely, but biblically the church is God's called out people. It's the ecclesia. And we're going to dive a little deeper into that in some coming weeks. I'm really excited to go there. But he said, I'm going to build. I'm going to take these living stones, right, where the body of Christ. I'm going to bring many different people. It's one of the things I love about Toronto City Church. I love how we're intergenerational. And we have like four different generations walking together here in TCC. I love that we're intercultural. That we have people from many different nations and people from many different backgrounds. I'm not sure where it's at now. A couple of years ago, we did a little kind of impromptu survey. And I think there was over 50 different nations represented in Toronto City Church. First or second generation. Y'all, I'm believing for even more. I want to see the nations come together, right? So we're intercultural. We're intergenerational. Jesus is building. He's bringing us together. We're living stones. I love this too because he establishes, he increases, and he strengthens his church. That's part of building. He establishes, but then he increases. It's a season where he wants to increase, and it's a season where he wants to strengthen. 
It's also a season to mold, to form, or to create. That gives me a picture from the scriptures where it talks about the potter and the clay and how he's the potter and we're the clay and he molds us and he shapes us, he forms us. Sometimes there's pressure, right? Not all pressure's from the devil. Sometimes pressures in our life is the potter kind of saying, listen, I'm trying to shape something in you here, but stay on the wheel. Stop hopping off the wheel and running away, right? And so there's this molding this, that he's doing. There's this base, this foundation. God's so, into, I think this season is so much about foundations. Go back to the foundations. Go deep in the foundations. Dig even deeper because the higher the skyscraper, the digger, deeper the hole they dig first before they build up. There's so much. You go downtown and you watch them building some of these mammoth skyscrapers. For the first long time, all you're going to see, if you can kind of peek around the fencing, is a big hole. And it's not going to look anything like what the drawings say. And if you get discouraged in that moment, say, it's supposed to be this beautiful condo, and all I'm seeing is a hole. No, you've got to understand, they're putting the time in, in the foundation work. So then when the building goes up, it's going to last, it's going to last for the long term. Right? There's something there for some of us. Let God dig deep. Go in the foundations. And then to form or construct a plan or a system of thought. I'm really asking the Lord in this season, what are the fresh strategies? What are the fresh things you're doing? I don't just want to do something because we've always done it. I'm not trying to throw everything out either because I know there's a lot of things that the Lord is still breathing on and using. But what is the strategies? We ask for that corporately as a church. Ask for it individually. But even corporately this month, I'm seeking God and saying, God, even as we're talking about legacy, speak to us about where you're taking us. But see, Jesus promised us that he would build his church. Everyone say, build his church. So that's the first thought. But the second thought I want to connect to that is if Jesus is all about building his church, shouldn't you and I be about the same thing? Right? If Jesus has a heart to build, would it not make sense if we're disciples of him, we're following him, that we would carry this same heart? And so there's this element of recognizing his heart to build, but also recognizing that as we mature in our faith, as we mature as believers, more and more we will start to catch this heart to build. Why? Because our heart is becoming like his heart. You know, there's this whole dynamic we could talk about about spiritual maturity, and the scriptures draw a very clear connect point or a, 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 a an allegory, a picture of the way we grow up in the natural to growing up spiritually. And it's interesting because when you are immature, all you think about is yourself. Right? I was joking a bit about this in our first service crew, but you know, you take this beautiful, wonderful newborn baby, that baby thinks about themselves. They don't wake up in the middle of the night and go, you know what, mom and dad are really tired. Well, in our house, it was more mom than dad anyways, because I, after a while, Cher didn't trust me in the middle of the night, because she'd wake up and I'd fall asleep with the baby. And so she said, you're not doing that anymore. She's like, you stay in bed, I'll take care of this. But see, the baby doesn't wake up thinking, yo, mom and dad are really tired. Mom and dad are really whatever. I, I'll, just, I'll just sleep for four or five more hours. I'll just stay here nicely in my crib. And I was like, no, if baby's hungry, baby's going to cry. Now, we don't fault the baby for that, do we? No, I laughed. I was saying before, I'm sure in the middle of this, there's someone going, well, actually, I had a baby. And so there's always an exception to the rule. But the maturity is, even as kids, they're just the way they're wired. We don't fault them for it. We take care of them, right? We watch out for them. But part of the hallmark of maturity, as they get older and as they start to mature emotionally, they start to think more about other people. They start to think more about how they fit into the bigger picture. And the ultimate end of that journey is ultimately, you know, my children one day will be parents. 
And now they will be in that same place where they're caring for others and they're taking care of others. This is exactly the way it works spiritually. Now, when you first are young as a believer, God doesn't fault you for kind of just being very focused, but, you know, because a lot of times you need it because you're trying to get healed and whole, so it's my blessing. I got to deal with this sin in my life. I got to take care of this. And we get very, and a lot of times we need it at first. We need that attention. We need that focus. But God says, I want to take you on a journey where more and more, kind of like when Jesus was in the temple and his parents found him, and he said, well, why were you, why were you worried about me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Right? There's a point. That wasn't by accident. There's a point in your journey where you start to become more about your father's business than just what your father can do for you. And I want you to think about that this afternoon. Those of you tuning in line, I want you to think about that. Are you more about what father can do for you or are you more about father's business? Now, if you think about, go, uh, I'm kind of more about what father can do for you, that's okay, then just, just commit to grow, grow deeper. Right, keep going, but there's this element of us as we mature, as we mature, we get this heart to build. We get this heart, go, Jesus, what's on your mind? What's on your heart right now? And Jesus said, I'm building my church. You're like, I want to join you. I want to be involved in building. I want to become a builder. And so my prayer this month, even as we talk about Legacy 2022, and really our theme is deeper impact. And having a deeper impact in the world around us. Having a deeper impact in our city. Having a deeper impact in our nation. Having a deeper impact in the nations of the world. Having a deeper impact online. Having a deeper impact in just wherever God is asking us to. Building this legacy. It's going to have my heart and my prayer. Is that every one of us will grow as a builder. Come on, somebody say, I am a builder. Come on, tell your neighbor, you're a builder. And so what I want to do today, real simply, to start this series off, is I want to talk to you about four key things that if you're a builder, you have a heart for. So if we're going to be a builder, what are the things that need to matter? What are the things that we need to have a heart for? And so the first thing I want to talk to you about, a builder has a heart for the kingdom. Everybody say a heart for the kingdom. Let's look at a couple of verses. I'm going to hit you rapid fire here with several verses. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came and he came preaching a kingdom. You can see it all throughout the gospels. You can see it all throughout his ministry. He came and he came preaching a kingdom. He came declaring a kingdom. He came talking about a kingdom that was coming and a kingdom that he was bringing. Furthermore, if you go to Matthew 6, 9 to 10, his disciples asked to teach us how to pray. They noticed Jesus prayed a lot. They wanted to learn how to pray too. And he said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Remember last week we were talking about the love of the Father and going deeper in the Father's love. So we see that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I loved it today during worship. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. Hallowed be your name just means we glorify you. We lift you up. We put the spotlight on you. And they says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So not only did Jesus come preaching the kingdom, but he instructed his disciples, and remember, this prayer is actually a pattern for prayer. So it's not meant to be a one-off thing you pray every once in a while. This is a pattern for prayer that Jesus gave. It's kind of like communion is a pattern, something that we do regularly. This prayer can form a foundation. But he said, regularly pray for the kingdom to come. 
Regularly pray that the kingdom will come and the will will, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we see Jesus is preaching the kingdom. We also see Jesus is say, pray, saying, pray for the kingdom to come. Furthermore, in Matthew 6, he said this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is preaching the kingdom. Jesus is saying, pray for the kingdom to come. Jesus is also saying, seek the kingdom first. And it's interesting because the context for this verse is he's talking about seeking the kingdom first in the middle of life, in the middle of what am I going to wear, what am I going to eat, where are we going to live, what's going, you know, what's, where's my provision. He said, look, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Sorry, give me a sec. I was hearing something here. I realized I'm hearing myself online. <laughs> I tuned in. I'm like, that voice sounds awful familiar. <laughs> That's weird. I never had that happen before. I'm listening to myself preach as I preach. Uh, <laughs> turn your phone on airplane mode, Brendan. All right. So uh, we see this emphasis on kingdom. We see this emphasis on the kingdom. And so if we're going to build, we want to have a heart to build the kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom? Well, there's much that we could talk about. We literally could do sermon series on the kingdom of God. But really simply, let me say this. Kingdom, God's kingdom is his rule and his reign. God's rule and God's reign. That Jesus came bringing the kingdom. It's interesting because if you look at it theologically, the kingdom came with Jesus. The kingdom is continuing to come every time we pray, every time we worship, every time we step out. And ultimately, his kingdom will come in fullness when Jesus returns. So it's a kingdom that's come, it's a kingdom that's coming, and it's a kingdom that will come in the future. So there's three different elements in this kingdom, but we are called to be about the kingdom. Jesus was about the kingdom. Jesus was preaching the kingdom. Jesus moved forward. It's God's rule. It's God's reign. I love in Luke 17, 20 to 21, it says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for the kingdom of God is within you. So the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God that is not limited to a geographical situation. We're not trying to get some country and call it the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is in the hearts of people. The kingdom of God is about his rule and reign. It's not limited to buildings or to geographical destinations, but it is something that is eternal. It is something that is powerful. It is something that is around the world right now. Family, I want to encourage you. I know we can be in some discouraging times, but if you step back and just look at the kingdom of God in the earth today. This is the best day to be a Christian. This is the best time to be a follower of Jesus. There are more people following Jesus on the earth today than at any other time in history. There are more people coming to Jesus every single day than at any other time in history. And I know it's hard for us sometimes because we're in an area of the globe and we're in an area of the world that can be quite secular and we're not seeing the kingdom advance the same way. But that's why you need to learn to see the kingdom. Because if I took you into South America you would see the kingdom advancing like it's never advanced before. I had a friend who's a missionary and a pastor in Medellin, Colombia, and he's about 35 now, and he told me, he's Pastor Brennan, who's a little bit, like we talk and we connect. He said, when my family, it's actually the, uh, the Manderfield family who we support every month. He said, when my family came to Colombia back in the early 90s, he said it was 0.5% born-again Christian. He said, now we're at 30%. That's what God is doing in that nation. 
You talk about, you can go to South America, you go into the continent of Africa, you go into the continent of Asia. The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is moving. And yeah, we're in an area where it's a little more challenging and there's some things going on, but I'm not ready to give up on Canada yet. I'm not ready to give up on North America yet. The same Jesus that can take somewhere like Colombia and transform it like that is the same Jesus that can do that work here, but he needs people who are going to have a heart for the kingdom. Come on, somebody say the kingdom. See, when you're a builder, you have a heart for the kingdom of God. That's why even as a church, we always want to have a kingdom mindset. It is not just about Toronto City Church. Right? If there's a church down the street and they are exploding and God is moving and they're growing, we should not be jealous. We should be cheering them on. Why? Because we're part of the same kingdom. We're on the same team. Other churches are not our competition. Other churches are our teammates. And together we're part of a kingdom and we are advancing a kingdom. But God is looking for people who will not just have a heart for their personal comfort and for their personal ease and for getting by, but people who have a heart for the kingdom. How can we build the kingdom? How can we advance the kingdom? And even if it doesn't benefit me personally, if it's a win for the kingdom, then it's a win for me because I'm part of the kingdom. Come on, somebody say a heart for the kingdom. See, it's breaking out of everything centering around me. And it's like that song we're singing, Jesus come to the center. Why? Because he's the king. He doesn't serve us, even though, I mean, he does because he's so good. But we need to serve him. And then we need to get this kingdom mindset. But guys, I love it. Understand right now, we worship today all around this world, millions and millions and millions of believers I mean, I was mentioning, I was talking with a friend who pastors and ministers in India. And he was telling me that India very soon is going to pass China to be the most populous nation in the world. I think he was saying like 1.7, 1.8 billion. And he told me, yeah, 10% of people in India right now follow Jesus. Now, on one level, I'm like, okay, we want to see that 10% go. We're actually lower than that percent-wise in Canada right now. But he said, he said but I started thinking about 1.8 billion. That's, that's 180 million followers of Jesus praying, lifting him up. And that's what we're talking. You go around the world, we're part of a kingdom. So God wants to expand our mindset. But then he also wants us to have a heart. What can we do to advance the kingdom? What can we give? How can we serve? And then the last thing I'll say this, and I gotta move on. But it also really humbles me. You know why it humbles me? Because we're not that big of a deal. Right? We're not that big of a deal. I don't mean that to talk down, but we're part of an eternal kingdom. And, and, and it's advancing. So our heart now just becomes, God, we just want to do our part. We, want to, we just want to make a difference. We want to make an impact for your kingdom. Come on, somebody say a heart for the kingdom. So the second point, though, and they, these, these are connected, but it's kind of the two different sides of the same coin. You want to have a heart for the kingdom, but you also want to have a heart for the local church. A builder has a heart for the local church. See, Jesus said, I'll build my church. Now, we've already said that. He wasn't talking about physical buildings. He was talking about the Greek word is ekklesia, which talks about called out ones or called out believers. But here's what happens. When, with that word ekklesia, believers were always called out into a council where they would, where, for ekklesias, where they would join together to see the kingdom advance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you guys more about this in a couple weeks. So sometimes people say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Yes, that's very true. 
And we can even talk about the use of the language going to church to be a Christian. But here's what I'm going to say. You're going to really struggle to advance the kingdom if you're not connected with the ecclesia. Right? The ecclesia was never someone just running off on their own. We called together. We're the body of Christ. We are living stones that are brought together and so in the middle. Now here's some people get all local church focused. They don't think about the kingdom. So they just say, my church, my church, my church. We want to think kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Right? So it's even in that. And we're going to talk a little bit about being apostolic center. We, we've got people from our church get kind of sprinkling, getting moved in different parts of the nation. And I hate it when people leave. That's my pastoral side. I want everybody to stay here forever. Right? But that's not what God wants. And we actually need to learn to embrace being an apostolic center where people are released. It's not about our seating capacity. It's about our sending capacity. Right? And seeing who can we send. It's not how many people can we pack in here. It's how many people can we release to go and be salt and light out there. Right? That's the heart of what it is. But you can't do that very well without local church. And so we have to have a heart for kingdom, but we also need to understand, God said, hey, I called you to be part of a family, right? There's the universal church, but then there's the local church where you connect in, where you're part of something, where you receive, but where you also give. And so if we're going to be builders, then often where God calls us to build is together here as a local church. And this is really key. It's really important. Uh, if Jesus is about building his church, we can, and just, I, again, I could go further down this road, but I've noticed, especially nowadays, there, there is lack of understanding. Sometimes I could say it's attack of the enemy. I mean, I don't want to paint it all with the same brush, but against being part of church. And, and I think the, the pandemic kind of accelerated it even more. And so, well, I just, no, I just watch preaching online. That's awesome. I'm glad you're watching preaching online. It's a whole lot better than a lot of other things you can be watching online. But there's something that God's called you to be part of community and to be part of life and to be part of an ecclesia. And the enemy wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you on your own because then you can't receive. But guys, then you can't give if you're not in community and you're not in relationship. So it's having a heart for church. And these are very simple things. Do you know, do you know that you, you can build a local church just by showing up and being present in what God's doing? Right? Your attendance matters. Come on, somebody tell your neighbor your presence matters. That's something. Even I love in our church we are intergenerational. So I love, I love, you know, we'll look in worship and, and you know, these, uh, we'll have a boomer worshiping next to a Gen Xer, worshiping next to a millennial. We'll have a Gen Z on the camera, working the camera. We got Gen Alpha running around in the back. I mean, we got five generations in this church. And I love what God is doing there. But we also need to remember, we need to continue to learn from each other. And I'll say one thing that many of our more mature saints that I've noticed, I watched it in my parents growing up, I watched uh, in that generation, one thing they understood was the importance of being in church. Right? They understood the importance of being here. Because, guys, it's not like I'm not on, oh, you need to come to church, you need to be in attendance, and God's going to be mad at you if you don't know of church. I'm not talking about legalism. But I'm literally talking about when we commit to be together, there's things that happen that do not happen when we're apart. And, 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 and that generation understood. Let grow my family. You, don't, you, you just didn't miss church. Like you were there, you prioritized it. And we've tried to embrace this in our family, not just because I'm a pastor and I have to. And it's not legalism. There's times where we may not be here or things might not happen, but we build in our household, in the Witten household, there's a priority on coming together and worshiping with the people of God. 
Parents, can I say this to you? It's pretty straightforward. If you are inconsistent in your attendance at church, don't be surprised when your children grow up and decide it's irrelevant. Because you set that example. You set the, it didn't really matter. Right? There's something, sometimes the greatest lessons we teach our children is not what we say, but what we live and what we do. And I want to encourage you, it is time for us and to be together. But it's not just attending, it's serving, it's giving. And what I love about Toronto City Church is we've got so much of that going on. You know, we have a whole bunch of people that are serving today to make this happen. Our, our worship ministry, all these guys, they show up at like 7.30 in the morning. A lot of you still sleeping and they're here playing and getting things together and getting stuff ready. We had yesterday, we had people here on the property cleaning up and just stewarding the property that God's given to us. We've got, you know, youth happening and young adults. Have, there's all these different opportunities. It's people giving, it's people serving. We had people just so incredible offerings this past month into Toronto State Church. This is all people with a heart to build his church. Come on somebody say build this church so let me keep moving here builders have a heart for the kingdom builders have a heart for the local church number three builders have a heart for the next generation everybody say the next generation builders recognize this is bigger than me this isn't my church this is jesus church i'm stewarding it for a season in the role that i'm in but it's my responsibility to steward it well, but it's also my responsibility to understand there is one day, if Jesus does not come back first, there is a day I will entrust it to another. And there's a day that we will entrust what God's doing here to another generation. And when we're builders, we understand we need to build generationally. And we need to build for the next generation. If you want to turn with me to 2 Kings 20, 12 to 19. I won't read through it all for time's sake, but it's the story of King Hezekiah when envoys of the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem. And it says Hezekiah welcomed them. He showed them all the treasures in his house, the silver, the gold, the spices, his armory, all that was in his storehouse. He did not sh- there was nothing he did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to his Hezekiah after they left. He said, what did these men say and where did they come from? And Hezekiah said, they came from a far country from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that's in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Prophecy time. Behold, the days are coming. Yep, amen. When all that's in your house, yes, hallelujah, and your fathers are stored up, yes, will be taken away. Ooh. Uh, and, and they're carried to Babylon, and nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, this is not the kind of prophecy I want to get. So it's not the prophecy I have my iPhone out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to save this one. It's not the kind of prophecy I'm like, transcribe that quickly, get it on the fridge. We're going to just pray over it every single day. Now, I don't know what you, can you imagine getting a word like this? But I think some of us, maybe we feel it a little bit because we see what's going on in the world around us right now, and we really have concerns for what's coming and what's happening and generationally what's going on. So, of course, Hezekiah fell to his knees. He put on sackcloth and ashes. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, is there any way this can be changed? Lord, save my sons. Save my daughters. Save the people that I lead, right? That's what he called fasting and prayer. He called the nation together, asking God to turn back his hand. No, he didn't do that at all. You know what he did? Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. What? We missing something here? I didn't see anything good in that word. Did anybody see anything good in that word? 
He said, this word is good, but watch why he said it. For he thought, why not if there's going to be at least peace and security in my days? In other words, instead of crying out to God, instead of getting on his face, getting on his knees, instead of even asking the prophet, is there a way we can turn this? Is there something we can do? He just said, well, at least it won't be me. At least I'm going to get to live in peace and security. Yes, the next generation. Because guys, when Babylon comes through, we're not to, it, wasn't, it wasn't PG. We're talking murder, rape, pillaging, burning. You know what eunuchs are, right? If you're not familiar with what eunuchs are, that is when your ability to reproduce is cut off. Literally. That's what they do. Because you had to care for the king's wives and concubines. So he didn't want you messing around. With, like, it was all this. But it was really, there was an element too of, of an emasculation. Guys, there's, there's, we're living in serious times. But I'm, I'm, this haunts me a little bit, to be honest with you. Not in a bad way. Not, not a bad haunting. <laughs> so somebody's like, well, pastor, let's pray then. Let's, let's cast it out. It's haunting you. No, this is the kind of, like, God, am I... Because here's the thing, we all look at Hezekiah, and I don't know about you, I, I wouldn't want myself in the Bible next to that statement for all of eternity. And we look at Hezekiah, oh, that's terrible, how can I? But yet, maybe sometimes we won't say it, but this is how we live. It's all church prayer on Friday. I'm getting my soapbox for a second. We have an opportunity to gather, to pray, to seek God. We need revival. We need transformation of our culture and so on. So I was like, yeah, but I just want to Netflix tonight. Right? I'm tired. It's been a long week. And I'm not saying everyone has to come legal, legalistically to all church problems, but I'm just, do our actions. I'm asking God. I'm saying even with some of the stuff that's mounting, and there's times where I feel like you feel that pressure to keep your mouth shut because you know you might get canceled over something or you could get attacked or you could get persecuted. And there's this thing, it's easy to just live out peace and comfort, but what is it setting up for the next generation? Right, even when we gather, are we here just wanting a nice experience, make me feel good? Or are we saying, no, we're here to contend for the generations. We're here to contend for what God's doing. I'm willing to sacrifice so that all those beautiful babies running around back in there can inherit something where God is moving and God is working and they understand and there's breakthrough. And yeah, maybe I take some persecution. Maybe I take some attacks. Maybe I take a lot of it. But it's my job as a father. I don't sacrifice my children for my safety and comfort. If anybody's going to take a shot, it's my job to take a shot for them so that they can flourish. Who will have that heart of fathers and mothers and say, we're going to stand in the spirit and even if it gets kind of hectic and it gets hard and there's persecution and challenges that come, we're not just building for ourselves, but we are building for generations and we're building for those kids back there and we're building for these young people who are here and we're building for what God is going to do. Come on, somebody say a heart for generations. All right, we're going to land this plane. Justin, if you're still around, you want to come back and join me. So we've talked about a heart for the kingdom. We've talked about a heart for the church. We've talked about a heart for generations. And last but not least, it's a heart for eternity. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes him will not perish but have eternal life. 
Now, we've talked a lot about eternal life, but I want to just go real simple on that right now. One of the foundational truths of our faith is that it's not just about this life, but that we are eternal beings, that we will live forever. And that's why salvation matters so much. If, we just, if life just ends, look at what Drake said. You only live once. No, you live forever. And if we just, if, we, if, if all, this is all there is, then salvation doesn't matter. But if we really are eternal beings, if we really will stand before God one day in judgment, if how we live and the decisions we make and the choices we make and the sacrifices we make are going to have an impact on eternity, then that would affect how we build, wouldn't it? There's a visual of this that's always impacted me. I definitely want to give credit to Francis Chan because he shared his video that kind of went viral a couple years back but always stuck with me. I want you to picture this is your life for eternity. I want you to picture it doesn't just go off the stage but it goes out that door and it keeps going forever. So picture that. That is your eternal life. Now how many can see this piece of tape right here? Try to get a different color, but I figured this one works. That's your life on earth. This is your life on earth. This is you for all eternity. And it's 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 humbling. Puts the fear of God in you a little bit. Because how you live here affects all of here. The people you reach here can be with you for all of here. And you know, it's amazing because how we live doesn't affect where we spend eternity. That's by grace through faith in Jesus. But I will tell you this, how we live here affects how we spend eternity. Because the Bible tells us about the judgment seat of Christ. And there is a time, there's a great white throne of judgment in Revelation chapter 20, and that's for all of humanity. And at that throne, you are going to be judged innocent or guilty based on what you did with Jesus. But there's also going to be the beamer seat, the beamer seat, which is called the judgment seat of Christ. And at that seat, Jesus judges believers, and he judges them based upon how they live their lives for him. And the Bible says that, I don't know exactly how this is going to work. I'm interested, well, I'm interested to see it, but it's probably also going to be a very kind of powerful, sobering moment when it happens. But he's literally somehow going to, something represents your life, is going to pass through his holy fire. And the scriptures say that what your life is made up of is going to be revealed, whether it's gold, silver, precious jewels, or whether it's wood, hay, or stubble. And the challenge of my concern, guys, is that so many of us, the way we're living here is not building for here. If we live here for ease, if we live here for comfort, if we live here for ourselves, we are going to get over into eternity with great regret in our heart, the Bible says. Yes, we'll be with Jesus forever. But there is going to be an accounting of how we survive. But if in this life we say, Jesus, you be the center. 
And it's not always easy. It's not always perfect. And sometimes it's hard. But we yield to him. And we follow him. And we give. And we serve. And we do things behind the scenes that nobody sees. And sometimes it feels like we get no credit for. And we pray prayers that sometimes don't even seem like maybe they come to pass. We believe for people to be healed. And maybe sometimes they aren't. But in that moment, we stay faithful to Jesus. We stay faithful to the kingdom. We stay faithful to building. Then for all of eternity... We are so grateful and so thankful. Why? Because we stewarded the life that he gave us well. We didn't just exist, but we built. We built. Guys, don't let this picture leave you. This is 70, 80, 100 years. Maybe not even that long. Maybe some people in here, you're grieving someone you've lost. But they're not lost if they're in Christ. They're waiting for you right here. And I know it hurts right now sometimes, and I know it's hard, and I know it's painful, but you're going to get that moment. No more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. See, builders understand an eternal reality. Don't just build for this life, but build for eternity. Can we pray? Let's bow our heads. If your heart today is just to join me as we bring this to a close, but you want to join me in asking God to increase your kingdom heart, to increase your heart for the local church, to increase your heart for the next generation, and to increase your heart for an eternal perspective. I actually want to invite you just to stand up where you are. If you're, if you're joining me, I'm standing because I'm praying this over myself today. This is what this month is about. It's about God increasing our hearts and increasing us. And let's just raise our hands to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, even as we started this legacy series, God, we thank you for builders. I thank you for a grace to build. I thank you for an anointing to build. I thank you for a stirring in our hearts of the Holy Spirit. God, where we will not just live for this life but God will live for you and will live for eternity will live for your kingdom God we will be, we'll live for the next generation of what you're doing God Lord do this work in us in Jesus name stir something fresh in our hearts help us to be builders come on just pray that prayer where you are right now just say Lord help me to be a builder help us all we need him guys if any of us sits here thinking we can do it in our own strength we're, we're proud we need to humble ourselves and just go, God, I can't do this, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's amazing. You don't just have to force yourself to join him. He actually says, I'm going to come in you. I'm going to empower you. And I'm going to equip you so that you can be a builder with me. And so, Jesus, we thank you for this today. In Jesus' name. And just with head bowed and eyes closed before we land this plane. If there's anybody in here and you're not right with God, the Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love. We've been separated from that love by sin. The wages of sin is death. It's eternal separation. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we talked about this picture I showed you of eternity. That's what the Bible says. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, that little sliver, but then loses his soul? It's, it's, it's just not worth it. And so if you're in this place and you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to give your life back to Jesus, I want you just to boldly wave at me right now. 
You know, some people are just ready to pray, but if you need to give your life to them or give your life back to them, if there's anybody. All right, well, Father, we just thank you today. We're believing you for harvest, and we're believing you. As much as you're building us up as believers, we want to see people come into your kingdom. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you for this today, God. Thank you that you are building us as builders in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with me today said, Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's give God praise today. Here's what we are going to do. Uh, I'm going to ask some of our connection leaders just to come forward. Uh, If there's something you would like prayer for today, we have some leaders that are here to pray with you and minister to you. Uh, But other than that, you are free to go. Moms and dads, you can go get your kids. That would be awesome. First time guests, please go get your Starbucks gift card. We bought them for you, so we want you to have it. And remember, all church prayer this Friday... Mother's Day next Sunday. It's going to be an amazing day of celebrating moms. It's going to be amazing. Bring your mom. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. And let's be builders. Amen.